0: You're listening to a podcast from Two. The Literature Corner. <laughs> the Literature Corner it is. And the final edition of the year. I'm so sorry that my um, unplanned for absence from radio meant that we didn't have our massive patsy that we had last year. and was going to become an annual, but I do have three of my favorite publishers joining me. Um, this half an hour or so, we'll see how far we get I think we'll need more time than that Now that I have them in studio, I can have them here forever uh, We're going to be talking books, books, books Because you love books, I love books And we need to become a country of readers And the only way to do so is to proselytize uh, What it is that is on the market What have been some of the best sellers this year And also a sneak uh, preview of what you might be able to expect Come next year In our Cape Talk studios Um, Non-fiction editor at NB Publishers, Mbali Zikakana. Mbali, good morning.
1: Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being part of this conversation. It's an absolute delight having you. And here in Johannesburg, in our studios in Santon, I've got Terry Morris with me, who of course is Managing Director at Pan Macmillan where she's been doing a fabulous job for a very long time. Terry, it's always a pleasure talking to you about literature. Thanks so much for coming to the studio.
2: Thanks, Ecebius. Yes.
0: And then we have Melt uh, Mayberg, who for some other reason is of me. I don't know why. I should be scared of him because he's known me since I was a children. Uh, he's a senior commissioning editor at Penguin Random House. Melt, uh, thank you so much for coming into studio and bringing so many goodies with you as well. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Eusebio. So I don't even know where we're going to start. Let's keep it dynamic and just have a conversation and talk over each other because we all love books so much. Terry, I'm going to start maybe with you in general. Has it been a good year or not for the industry from a sales point of view, from from a books point of view?
2: It has been, and actually for the last few years it's been quite vibrant. Um, I mean, that's largely because of our politics mm. and uh, our economy, which is always um, a good uh, fodder for for books. Uh, but also I think because internationally there have been some great sellers. Uh, we are missing a Michelle Obama this year, so there's often um, a book, a key book, that sort of lifts the, the industry at this time of year. And load shedding hasn't helped. Uh, But there have been some phenomenal local books, um, and that's that's really exciting to see.
0: That's absolutely fabulous. How about Mm -hmm. for you, Malt? it
3: is a, a very interesting uh, time in publishing i think uh, with economic challenges the market has shrunk slightly but you know as publishers it's our job to uh, ride out those kind of uh, kinds of waves and we still continue to make wonderful interesting books it's mm. a privilege to make books in south africa like Terry said, with the, the political situation, economic challenges, etc. And, yeah, fantastic books,
0: highlights. We, we, can, we can never decide in Bali whether or not South Africans don't read, don't buy books, whether they do, whether they get a bad rep. <laughs> the only way to really know is to keep tabs of the numbers, which is one of the things you need to do. Uh, How have the right. numbers been looking over the last year or so?
1: Look, I think the big books uh, remain big books. You know, they always sell a lot. And that depends on what everybody's talking about, what everyone's worried about, um, even more so. Um Those big politics books always do very well. Um Where it's sort of like your middling, mid-range books, that's where you see some fluctuation that goes along with the economy. So I do agree that there's been a slight shrinkage, and that just follows... um What's happening with, with, with our, with our finance in general as a country. Mm. But generally people do love to read and people want to know things. Um, And because I'm a nonfiction, I see that quite clearly. it just follows. As soon as there's a big enough problem, people want to know about it today. And the book itself that comes along is supported wonderfully.
0: Melt hmm. you've brought so many books here, um, which we love, absolutely love. Where shall we even start? What are some of your faves for the year? What, what do you have there, Gangster State? I've got uh, Peter Louis Mabers' gang- Gangster State here. Um, I certainly think
3: it's the book of the year in South Africa, uh, the non-fiction book of the year, definitely. And the book did very well uh, for us Um, I'm very proud of it The sales were deep into the forty thousands. Wow Yes, so people seem to be interested still in reading After
0: all, you can't burn the book unless you buy it Exactly. Uh, Well, as long as you buy it before you set it. That is amazing. When did
3: it come out again? Um, In March this year. I got time flies. I I can't believe it's it's, yeah. And but I really think if people uh, if
0: people don't have the book yet, it should be in their Christmas. I agree with you on that one. I think that is one of the best books of the year. It's one of the most important. It's very readable. The other thing is about good nonfiction is that our best nonfiction writers are also very good writers. Peter Louis Mayberg is a bit like Valdemar Pelser. They are one of those, they are, they are the, you know, rare journalists who are able to write equally well in Afrikaans as they do in English and speak equally well in both languages. And his books, that one as well as Republic of Gupta, which is still relevant and still very good book and worth buying as well. Um, quite apart from the importance of the book in terms of its content, I actually just found it riveting to read as a as a read. Yes, it's a, 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 a you you can read. It's like a, a crime novel, if only, <laughs> if only it was a novel, right? <laughs> yes,
3: <laughs> but really the, the writing is exceptional, and it's interesting how many Afrikaans journalists. Uh, perform at, in the English non-fiction market mm. uh, in South Africa at, 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 you know, quite uh, just an interesting fact. Obviously uh, one would prefer to publish the book in English uh, rather, you know, because it, it needs to reach the widest possible market mm. in South Africa.
0: Let's talk about uh, some of yours or, or one of your favourite story you can tell me which one you want to start with or reference
2: Oh, it's, it's like choosing I children I but, but, but been. I won't so... say your favorite Just just okay. any one of them Well, we had lots of fun at the end of the year Because of the Rugby World Cup And we published um, Beast's book by Tendai And yeah, You
0: know how much I love I that book I know you love you it. know I love that book And
2: we published Eddie Jones' book mm. uh, Which is a remarkable read And my and dad so... is
0: enjoying it, by the way I'm glad there's a copy here I yes. hope that copy I can take You Because my copy has traveled to P.E.
2: Well, we had this wonderful "The Beast versus Eddie" on the on the board <laughs> the, the week before the World Cup, and it was this kind of vying with our UK company, and and, and of course, Beast won, which is r- remarkable. So, um, I mean, I've,
0: I've read Beast twice. Can I just say, if you are listening, it is an excellent book. If you have a, a child that is into rugby but not so much is English literature, one way to breach that gap is maybe to get a sports biography. And, uh, Beast is very readable. It's fascinating. It's fun. Um, I have mapped out in my head exactly what kind of interview I want to have with him. And all the nonsense before the World Cup was really a couple of sports journalists who cherry picked aspects of the book that really doesn't go to the heart of the overall narrative. I think this is a book that's definitely worth putting in Christmas stockings. And I mean that sincerely. And, and, and Terry, Terry knows that I was on the phone harassing her to try and get me to interview beast which we can still do in the new in the new year good books needs to travel across time but for the moment i think this is a book that's definitely worth buying um, my life in rugby i haven't read but i am keen to read it because my dad's intrigued by it apparently it's a very good account of um, eddie's own struggles and dealing with sometimes um, despite being excellent being overlooked not being picked and some of the life lessons that come out of that's quite Ooh. apart from the rugby aspect
2: Definitely. Um, if I can mention two little books, because sometimes the smaller books um, get a little bit left behind. Mm. But um, we were very privileged to publish Parcel of Death by Char Tiro. And it was um, uh, his, uh, Ongapotse Tiro's nephew. A remarkable book and a life that has maybe been overlooked mm. in many ways in South Africa. And then also the Edward Snowden book, Permanent Record, which was a remarkable um, book from someone who we were never sure where he was or how he was living, he's actually in Russia, um, and a fascinating and important book uh, and that, that we should all read in terms of our lives and how they're placed and, and how we are observed at every point of our life. But a, but a fascinating read about how he, mm. um,
1: the, a whistleblower, an important one.
0: Mbali, let's talk about some of uh, your ones. Uh, which ones do you want to start with?
1: I think I would start with Zephanie by Joanne Zhao. Yeah. And obviously that was a story of Zephanie Nurse, something that we grew up hearing about. It was in all the magazines and the newspapers, how this child was stolen from Khutuskir. And um basically following the life story of uh, Michelle Solomon, her real name. Mm. And um it's just so wonderful how some books can take us back and give us the true facts. Mm. Because sometimes the story has passed and long passed, but we still want to know what's happened and how the story developed. Um so for me that was a brilliant book for that. Um Betting on a Darkie is another book by Mtetonyati.
0: Please tell and me Tetunyati about it because I I can't tell you how many people have been lobbying me to A really? read the book and B not not you, um people who've read the book with no commercial or any kind of relationship interest in terms of the author, who have really, really enjoyed it. I haven't opened it. I do have a copy. Um, but what what is so special about this book? Why is it resonating so well? Because I get requests every week with people saying, please, <laughs> can you interview Miteto and uh, just uh, talk about this book?
1: I think we don't get a lot of um, insight into our black captains of industry, and he's one of them. I mean, he's the CEO of Altron. And we don't get to follow them from their initial coming into the corporate space as black people and how they evolved and developed in that space and what challenges that, you know, they face and how they responded to them. And I think he does a good job of being honest about all the choices that he made and how he moved himself up the ladder step by step and his philosophy around that. And I think that's what's resonating with people is that he's a real person. He's really in a, a powerful position. He's got plans. He's got a vision and he's had to, you know bring himself from somewhere in order to to get to that point, and I think that 's what 's inspiring people more than anything is that inside look for once into how you know black people like that do what they do
0: absolutely let 's talk about more ones that's probably you can also travel with and not difficult to read but right. important as well uh, melt i 'm going to come back to you this hardcover edition. It's just so beautiful. Tell them which one I'm holding up here, and talk to me about why this was a project that you loved so much.
3: Um, UCB is is holding up a Bussy, my journey of hope. The Memoir of Basitsana Kumalu In hardcover, which is really special In hardcover, for Basi You do it in hardcover <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote
0: right there <laughs>
3: <laughs> It's a fabulous, fascinating book And it's, it's, it's something that will resonate with anyone Everyone It's such a handy book to give to uh, that person in the family Who hmm. needs inspiration Who needs a Positive message and um, really, t- if we want to celebrate women in South Africa, um, uh, busi 's journey of hope is uh, the book at, uh, t- to choose.
0: The other person who, mm. who I don't know how he just churns out the books and makes the rest of us as authors feel so bad is Fred komalo Yeah, I mean, the man is as prolific as
3: ever. Yes, Fred's uh, latest novel, The Longest March, uh, is out now and um, uh, uh, obviously Fred is one of our favorite authors in South Africa Mm. and in The Longest March he again takes uh, an episode from history, uh, an important uh, part of our black history and he uh, uh, turns it into fiction or he uses it as a springboard for a fictional Story that's gripping and um, that tells us or to
0: helps explore who we are and where we are going to. I like the fact that he is courageous. Obviously, the man is skilled and he can pull it off. Yes. But, um, you know, to venture into that territory of historical fiction is quite tough. You've got the historians that will come after you, and they will want to make sure that the record is accurately preserved in yes. the fictionalized account. And then you have the fiction readers and reviewers who still want the prose to be beautiful and the fictional characterization and construction of the entire story must still be compelling. And to have that enmeshed, that is, that is a huge challenge. It is. and Which is why most of us would stay away from it.
3: <laughs> it is hard work doing the research and translating it into fiction and trying to keep uh, all your possible readers happy. Yeah. Uh, And you can't just use fiction as an excuse to mess around with historical facts, of course. There Mm. needs to be a balance. But Fred excels in it, and yes, he's Mm. doing well.
0: I don't even want to take um, commercial breaks because I'm loving this conversation so much. I don't know where we want to go next, Terry. Can I tell you one of my favorite books from you guys this year, speaking of fiction, is probably Fiona Mm Snickers' one. There we have not an historical account, but... I suppose what the Geliernemensis, I'll say, intertextual conversation with J.M. Coetzee. Wasn't that book just special? I really hope it will get more popular, deeper readership. I would prescribe it if I was teaching undergrad English literature. Anyone interested in Coetzee's work must read this text. And quite frankly, I think that Fiona deserves an award or three for this mm. effort.
2: It was a remarkable book. Um, you know, a response to J.M. Coetzee, this uh, incredible book in the canon that has this almost uh, this place that you mm. can't touch. But but it was f- what, what I loved about it was the humour as well that she brought to the book. Mm. So it wasn't it wasn't only sort of bludgeoning you with kind of deep and heavy yeah. text. It was light and it was playful, and um, it, it was just so clever um, and something that had been brewing in her for years and years and years, and she got it out. And it was fascinating to see the response of academic their or teachers who have taught disgrace over the years and this kind of lightening mm. of spirit as they engaged with lacuna and 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 sort of she, she was a voice for many of of especially women 's thoughts mm. a, around the novel so it, it was it was phenomenal
0: I think you 've done justice in your summary because it 's not a book that is beso it 's a very serious feminist critique mm. of kusir and yet at the same time. Um, feminism does not have to be incompatible with humour. Mm. It really is a very funny book.
2: It is laugh-loud funny, but mm. um, remarkable. And, and it just shows the, the power of fiction, actually. You know, it's fiction sometimes gets left, by the way, in this country. It's, it's, it's difficult to publish local fiction. It's tough. Um, uh, but, but the authors are writing, thank goodness. Um, and I think we're seeing um, a, a kind of a... A more playful mm. way of, of, of writing fiction, and that's from the commercial writers, some of them self-published, which is very exciting, actually, mm. um, to, to the sort of more literary text.
0: Absolutely. Mbali, what next do you want to talk about? Some Christmas reads that you think, uh, could be considered if someone is still shopping?
1: Right. And I mean, here's one, um, by Mongani uh, Walisarote, our you know, poet laureate. He wrote Skathela O R, which is a praise poem of, mm. of the late Oliver Reginald Tambo. And it basically touches on his childhood in Mbezana and the Eastern Cape, the liber- the liberation struggle, obviously his role in the ANC and his vision for South Africa. Yes. And so it's it also people around him, many who also participate in the struggle, some paying with their lives. And also it praises the role that he specifically played as a leader. Um I think it it kind of fell a little bit under the radar and it's something that could be um a wonderful um Christmas read because it, it's a poem it's it's a long praise poem for somebody who's wonderful in our history. I don't know what your,
0: your three reading habits are because th- this idea of a Christmas read, maybe I'm just a nerd. Right. Any good book for me <laughs> is worth reading any time of the year because even some of the other bestsellers that I know that you've had in Bali, whether it's Yellow Bone that deals with yes. some really, really serious identitarian debates in South Africa, mm-hmm. that's a book that quite frankly you can read while you are busy sun tanning on Clifton. Um, I think any right. good book is worth reading so we can throw any of those in the mix as
1: well. Exactly. Um, Even, I mean, we've just spoken about uh, Fred Kumalo. You can bring back his short stories, Talk of the Town. You know, those were also wonderful, and they were one of our um, Mm. best-selling books. And we know that when Fred writes short stories, and especially... In this book, he, he collated them and wrote them over um, quite a long time. They touch mm. on so many things that have happened in South Africa over that while. Uh, foreign nationals, xenophobia, South Africans living abroad, exiled comrades during apartheid, past and current township life. There's just so much to it. And if you're, you're interested in delving into South Africa in in the form of a short story, Mm. I think he's a good bet.
0: Absolutely. Okay, before we continue our conversation, if you are listening, here's a question to you. What has been your pick for the year? Many of you only listen to The Literature Corner. Some of you make this appointment listening. So I know that you are listening to me right now because you love books and you love reading. So here's a question to you. If someone asked you, a friend of mine I haven't responded to yet from the UK is uh, in South Africa visiting. And she said, what are the books that I must buy? You see, it's the best South African books this year. If you were asked that question as a reader, what would be your answer for this year? I'd love to hear from you. 11 883 702 summer nature's way of saying let's have some fun if we are going to become a nation of readers we need to start young and very often children's book and uh, also books for teens there seems to be gaps there in terms of what's available on the market any of you can start me out on that one but i'm wondering whether there are also some good books that we can talk about for children and um, and for the youth and
2: um, well Can I start here? Because it's such a passion. uh, Mm. um, So, um, we we reissued or we re sort of worked um, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah for younger readers. (laughs) And the response has been remarkable because it really has been around um, uh, getting children to read uh, about a character who they sort of love. But, but um, that being said, I mean, there's a real gap in South African um, local uh, fiction. Um, there's obviously Jakku Jakobs, a huge name, um, who we will be publishing next year, which is very exciting. Um, and some wonderful um, things happening, certainly at a lower level. Um, but just one book that I have to just talk about, which is um, not a local one Angie Thomas on the Come Up. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote The Hate You Give. Um, And this on the come up for South African teens because it's set in the sort of south side Chicago uh, rapper scene. It is just remarkable. And I think any child from 13 upwards, Mm. uh, it would resonate. Terry? Sorry.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, um, about this area. When it comes to young adult fiction or children's books as well, I mean, obviously, you can't be everything for everyone as a publisher, but how do you guys see that particular market? It's amazing how many folks write to us parents and say, what is out there, you see, because I'm sick of only having access to Enid Blyton. So this is also a passion project of mine for next year. I think we haven't done that well on the show this year to really put the spotlight on books for children and for teenagers. Mm -hmm.
2: It's such an exciting area And there's so much to read I think it's very daunting Mm. Because there's so many Kind of age groups And it's difficult to say But um, The first point of call I would say For any parents Especially if you're at a school Where there's a wonderful librarian Mm. That librarian is a book whisperer in a way And will tell your kids to read What they want to read they, They've had far more success than I ever had With my kids at the moment And, and there's there's so much happening in that space And starting to bubble under And happen um, locally um, so, so it really is um, remarkable books pushing the boundaries uh, more so in a way than the adult books, especially that kind of young adult area dealing with issues around gender, sexuality, mm. um, uh, okay. going to dark, deep places that um, that often the adult writers feel a little constrained. Mm.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a break here. And, um, and then after that, we'll just wrap the conversation. But if it's up to me, we will talk books the whole day. Unfortunately, the radio clock dictates that we should move on at some point. The Literature Corner. Twenty-six minutes before noon. Another ten minutes or so. We're just talking about some books worth buying and putting in the Christmas stockings. What have been some of your favourite reads this year, and maybe what we can look forward to next year as well? And we're hanging out with Terry Morris, Melt Mybeck and also Sika Sikakana. We've got a caller on the line. Sipo, how's it. Yeah, you. are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, can you not make it until about ten minutes? It's a <laughs> <laughs> talk to me okay uh i i, I not recommend to anyone here uh, for a book from south africa so it's a black text and the
3: reason is that basically the book is a compilation of contributions from more than one author mm. so in a way you are able to support all your favorite authors but yeah that's if it comes to your push that's the only book i recommend i'm going mm. to i'm going to i'm
0: going to put it in my right now and i'm going to put it to you it's an excellent uh, read, Sipo. I totally, totally agree with you. I don't know whether any of the, um, any of my guests have read it. Um, Black Text is an excellent compilation and it's done incredibly well. It's selling like a uh, Cook uh, all <laughs> over the country. And I think unsurprisingly. So I don't know whether Mbali, whether you have read it, but particularly. Um, I don't know if there's such a thing as white text, but for any of us who experience black Mm -hmm. text, the recognition of yourself in this collection is absolutely amazing. So I totally, totally agree with Sipo on that one. Right. Um, Melt, let's talk a little bit about book covers. You know, that's a whole conversation on its own. But one of the things that will sometimes determine whether someone is going to pick one of your books and buy it as a gift to someone else is not going to be how brilliant the book is, who the author is, or the content, but visually in the first place, whether or not it jumps out at you. And I wonder if you can just explain to the public what goes into that creative part um, of the, of the process, because that's a huge part of, of trying to see whether you can up potentially the marketability of a book. Of course, um, the book has to compete with thousands of other
3: titles in a bookshop. And, uh, you know, you're very lucky if your cover jumps out and reaches at the wallet of any potential customer. Mm. Um, But, yes, so there's a lot of planning going on. We try to maintain a particular look and feel uh, that. Suits the Penguin Random House image If you, if you publish Shakespeare You have to it, you know, s- Stay true to your style A classical type of style But then of course um, You try to marry that with The contents of the book And the genre will also um, At uh, t- 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 Mm. what the cover will look like. For example, Heist by Annalisa Burgess, which was shortlisted for the Ellen Payton yeah. Award this year, also a fabulous mm. book for... Mm. A, a wonderful. Right, yeah. um, and, you know, uh, one would rather... Uh, because it deals with cash-in-transit uh, heists in South Africa, you would go for a dramatic type of um, cover. Uh, simple, but dramatic, and uh, uh, trying to get that um, tension across. Um, the Basitsana Kumalo book, for example. Just needs to be her. <laughs> it it's, needs to be Basitsana, but you know, it took a lot of uh, planning in terms of deciding on the final color uh, of the lettering. Um, Basitsana's, uh, at, at, at when she had the photo shoots, um, the cover was already uh, decided upon and the colors were chosen and she uh, meticulously made sure that earrings match the colour of this or that, you know that type of thing. So a
0: lot of I love that. <laughs> yes, energy is invested. I think this is a really, really cool cover. Yes. It is so incredibly evocative, the cover for The Longest March by Fred Kamalo. it's absolutely beautiful.
3: Yes and uh, the wonderful thing about fiction uh, books is that you can be more, You you can go for drama, history, that type of thing Um, But, yes, we try to work with the best um, um, uh, designers in the industry and um, expensive designers. Terry,
0: talk to us a little bit about how you guys approach this. Sometimes it's easy, like with Bussy, right? I mean, if you are the beast, Mm. you just need to put the guy on the cover and the thing is going to sell because we all love him to bits. But sometimes it's more complex, particularly if maybe you find a gem of a first-time author, then there's a more complicated creative process going into cover design and the look and the feel of the of the artifact.
2: Definitely. And, you know, sometimes we can get up to 20 versions of a cover before we, we're happy with it. Um, but it is absolutely critical. And we've seen books, good books, die on the shelves because you haven't got the cover right. And something like our Dr. T book on, on sexual health and pleasure. Um, you know, you'd think it would be simple because it's her on the cover, but it took many... It's orations and photo shoots to get it absolutely right, to get that playfulness. Um, but the fiction is often the trickiest but the most rewarding. Because it really can be beautiful. Uh, even internationally, we often give a um, input, and you see the Elton John cover me. You know how do how do you find a cover for mm, Elton John when yes. he has so many personas <laughs> and characters? And which Elton do you want to cover? Yeah. Which glasses? to use? And it it really often has to be something that completely pops. And the cover design in the UK for that um, was lauded um, for for how you know absolutely perfect he got that one mm. um, uh, so so it really is often hit and miss but but we 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 approach it in a collaborative way um, mm. with with all the teams getting involved
0: mbali can you speak into this topic as well i mean this is it's absolutely absolutely fascinating but it's amazing how besides the cover design obviously the title itself as well can mm. sometimes determine whether or not somebody's going to spend the money or move on
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, it's such an intricate process because the, the title should be able to say what it's about, but at the same time, not be, um, sort of redundant yep. or quotidian, like where someone yeah. will walk past it and think, oh, oh, so what? You know? So, for instance, a book called For the Love of the Land by Ivo Price and Gorbus Lawrence, mm-hmm. which is about, um, true life accounts by SA farmers. You want to be able to say that it's about farming without saying, Farming today, uh, you know, so for the love of the land (laughs) is is evocative. And at the same time, if that's not enough to Mm. convey the full message, you can have the subtitle say a little bit more. Um, and the cover is very sort of pastoral and a, a classic, uh, blatterland type of look but you flip it over and you see the pictures of of a cross section of south african farmers of ra- of different races genders and religions and you start to think oh what am i really looking at mm. so you use all these visual elements together to try and create something interesting that will catch someone's um attention
2: mm.
1: whereas if it's fiction
2: Absolutely. like for
1: instance with the young adult novel sing down the stars which is about you know aliens mixing with humans and you know it's it's you know training facilities it's 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 all imaginary so then the cover needs to follow that sort of theme. We need to see something otherworldly. We need to see a font that communicates that it's for younger people. And we need to see somewhat of the of the story or the arc as well. Mm. So that's kind of the thinking that goes through through my mind.
0: Melt, this time of the year, the, I know that food is on our minds a lot. And um, I know from my uh, previous publisher that often one of her bestsellers would be the books by Jan Bry, for example. Uh, we have at least one summer food uh, title here. Um, it's amazing to me how well some of these books often sell. Um, just talk to me a little bit about, about this one. And again, if we're talking about excellent photography and artwork, just I mean, I'm just feasting here with my eyes, just paging through it, through it. Talk to me about this title. Um, summer Food by uh, Chart
3: Um is our offering uh, for people. Look, food never goes out of fashion. No, no. <laughs> and there's one summer every year.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and our summer goes along with Christmas. So I would uh, really recommend Chart Walraven's Summer Food. It's a fantastic. It is a beautiful hardcover book uh, with uh, the most Hmm. delicious recipes, you know, and it's catering for everyone. There's meat, there's... From the basics to desserts, bakes, uh, salads, etc. And also the uh,
0: obligatory vegetarian. Or if you have colonial nostalgia, there's the ultimate beef Wellington year as well. Yes. (laughs) 815. So, yes,
3: um, for that person in the family who needs some inspiration with the cooking, Mm. perhaps, maybe it's, you know, just the ideal gift, just to um,
0: help them. Up the cooking. We'll, we'll have time for one more title with you, but I wanted to ask you because I've read this book. Did you bring this book? The John Ronson one. Whose one is this? It's Terry's t- one. Let's talk a little bit about this. I, when I read this book, I found it absolutely riveting. Mm. It was really, really yeah. amazing. And again, it's one of those books where it would be a complete injustice to the excellence of the narrative journalism if the book were one of those books that basically has a cycle of good sales and then disappears
2: it's um i mean that book's a few years old now actually and it's um it is it, it is a remarkable book he is a remarkable man john brilliant. so you can't Absolutely brilliant. you can't help but be enamored with him uh, especially when you listen to some of his podcasts and, yeah. and he's quite a crazy character um but what was fascinating and so pertinent today is he he kind of likened social media and how we approach it to the public stonings uh, of the yeah. Roman era. But except in this context, you're sitting on your couch and sort of throwing a tweet mm-hmm. um, anonymously at people. And he, he, he went through various sort of case studies where people had uh, just kind of completely fallen uh, from, you know, from either from a pedestal or from a very comfortable life because of an error that would made, or uh, sometimes uh, quite a grave one.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it starts with a case study of that executive that tweeted something silly about AIDS in Africa, yeah. put off her phone, was on yes. a flight, and by the time she switched it back on, she had been pelted <laughs> digitally, and her entire life and career was um, no yeah. longer the same.
2: With hundreds of people waiting at China's big airport. So, no, it, it's a remarkable book and very... Um, very erudite and clever in the way that he looks at mm-hmm. um, at, at how we uh, approach social media and, and ourselves and our our, our lives. It's, it's, it's a, it really is a, a book that should be referred to many, many times. I agree times. with you.
0: You know what I loved about it is that, a bit like you were saying about Fiona Snickers' book, mm-hmm. it's a book that raises some really deep and interesting questions about moral issues mm-hmm. of our time that, that accompany. The digital platforms, new media platforms, but he does it in a way that doesn't feel incredibly heavy as if you're sitting in a university lecture series because he is giving you his diary Mm. entries as he's trying to track down these people that have been digitally pelted to see what happens next to their lives. Mm. So you feel like you're reading a sort of Johnny Steinberg narrative yeah. journalism piece, but beneath mm. the stories are some really deep and very important questions mm. of morality that mm. that he that, that, that raises quite well.
2: Mm. No, no he, he's a remarkable journalist, and mm. hopefully there'll be a lot more to come.
0: Absolutely. Mm. 14 minutes before noon, we'll take a break, and then we'll wrap the conversation on the other side of this.
1: literature corner.
0: Twelve minutes before noon, I've got such like sadness that we only have such little time left for this conversation. Bali, back to you. What other books do you want to talk about in terms of uh, that you're particularly proud of this year? And then after that, I think we'll look forward a little bit to next year. But what else do you think people should pay attention to? Sometimes, you know, there are books that we think as reviewers or as authors – or maybe you guys as commissioning editors that you think are really important books and they don't do as well as they should, which books maybe should be re-inscribed into the public space?
1: Well, I would start with Yellow and Confused by Ming-Chao Lin. And it's obviously mm. the story of immigration. She was born in Taiwan and raised in South Africa. And um, I think with our very polarized black-white dynamic in South Africa, people that are coming from sort of more marginal identities or identities that we see as other um, struggle to integrate and understand themselves within the context of our social fabric. And I think that book, through her life story, tells that story very well. Another one is They Called Me Queer which is compiled by Kelly Eve Goodman and Kim Van mm. And it's a collection by queer South Africans telling their stories in all different forms, whether it's through poetry, short stories, academic writing, and so on. Um, And many young contributors, right? um, Which is
0: also important because a lot of the conversation, there's little conversation around queer rights and queer experiences. We need more visibility. mm -hmm, But what does exist tend to be, tend to be taken over by us older queer farts. And I think what's important about that write up (laughs) is also the generational element that is introduced.
1: Absolutely I think younger queer people coming in with stories That are perhaps also You know there's also just the the, the, narrative, the Narratives that are accepted That are mm. a little bit more palatable And many of the, the young people In this collection are saying Well you know you're not used to people like me But we exist and this is what I'm about And it doesn't have to fit into You know something you've seen A thousand times before We exist, we're here and we deserve space
0: mm, Absolutely what can we look forward to next year? Or you're not allowed to talk about next year, Terry? I'm going to start uh, with with you. Firstly, uh, how does how do you guys even go uh, go about planning the new year? I mean, what is that process? Right? Is it is it very organic? Is the method to the madness? How do you how do you think strategically about the next cycle of books?
2: I think we've become much more strategic. It used to just be oh, here's a good book, we will publish. Mm. I mean, actually, twenty oh, twenty. He oh, he's he a famous person. He's a famous person, exactly. In fact, 2020 was bedded down a few months ago. Don't so I, I feel like it's It's. Um, – we've got some amazing books. We've got the next, uh, Dichang Moseneke, his judicial memoir, All Rise. Mm. We've got mm. Wandile Siklobo, this amazing agricultural economist, Finding Common Ground. We've got your very own Bruce That's Whitfield. That's a lovely title. Mm. I love that. Yeah, oh. and, and he's wonderful. We've got Bruce mm. Whitfield's book, first book we got out of him, Strapped him to a chair And got him to write It's remarkable <laughs> um, uh,
0: what, is, what is it about?
2: Um, well, we're kind of Working, wrangling Around the title But, but it's, a, it's a great Upbeat book About South Africa From an economic perspective But from a um, Kind of Lessons of leadership um, But case studies And it's, it's Just fantastic Told mm. in his very Kind of uh, exuberant, Fantastic. wonderful way. Hmm. Um, we've got Craig Higginson's new novel, phenomenal, um, and some wonderful new children's books, Yaki Jacob's *Rafilwe Um and uh, that's just for the first sort of few months. Oh,
0: of the wow, year. that's that's <laughs> beautiful, Mbali. How about you?
1: Well, we've got the Moshek memoir coming out. I Tolbert, can't wait, the y'all. Spy Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's such a riveting thriller esque type of read. I loved uh, working on that. Um, yeah, I can't wait for my one. copy. I'm yeah.
0: going to be I'm going to be at your launch for that one in conversation with I you. Heard. And I'm looking forward to reading his text. I think oh. it's such a critically important one uh, for the country so because so much of our politics uh, need to be understood, un- understood through the intelligence lens. And I right. think it's very brave and also timely for. Mode to have to have written
1: it. I agree completely. Um Another one is, you know, this year was the centenary of some important uh, writers of our past, Eskia Patele, Noni Jabavu, Peter Abrams. Well, one of those, Noni um, Jabavu, we've uh, compiled uh, her writings from 1977 when she wrote a column for the Daily Dispatch, <laughs> um, and it's called Noni Jabavu, A Stranger at Home. Mm. And so we're trying to reintroduce her to the public as a literary figure of our past who definitely requires um, uh, just another uh, look as a country and to be appreciated uh, for all of her achievements and all that she was um, as a writer.
0: Mm. Uh, Melt, last but not least, you. Firstly, I've got to ask you to talk about this book here. Who brought uh, Everyday Ubuntu? Which book is this? Is this one of yours? Um, Yes, it's one of
3: mine. Mm. Um, it's, uh, It's published by one of our international um uh partners and okay. we obviously have distribution rights for the book locally mm. so yes it's a it's fabulous book about the philosophy of ubuntu which also doesn't go out of fashion right how is At, it selling it, uh, it, uh, it uh, there seems to be an international appetite for ubuntu um it's i it, uh, which obviously uh, sometimes appeals to the local market, we think this one t- is, uh, this one is doing well in the uh, local market because it takes certain scenarios, fourteen different okay. scenarios related yeah. to yeah. Ubuntu but yes, I think the ultimate uh, uh, South African Ubuntu book must still happen. And Ubuntu is a philosophy that should become the international philosophy Mm. and take over the world. Then our problems will stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then last but not least, how do you guys think about the next year um, strategically, even if you can't talk about particular titles? I uh, prefer not to talk about particular titles. But
3: yes, obviously, there are certain types of books that do well at certain times of the year. Um, uh, Some Titles do well, doesn't matter when they Mm. appear. But Mm. we promise we will astound
0: you with (laughs) books of the year. Fantastic. (laughs) Terry, thanks so much for coming in. Mbali, thanks for being part of the conversation. And Mel, thanks thanks. so much to you and to all three of you for what you do to make sure that stories are told and that we spread the love of reading and of books. Thanks.
1: Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.